The days have become shorter, nights longer and longer, and soon we will encounter the longest night of the year. Darkness, at least on the northern hemisphere where we find ourselves, has taken on the phase of expansion of becoming more prevalent. The sun has gotten cooler and so has the air. Snow and ice come and with it when we look at the cultures who have originated here. We can also see that there are several stories that have to do with darkness and light. One of these stories, of course, is the story of Hanukkah. The burning of the lamp in the temple that was destroyed. It was only expected to last for a short time, but instead of just one day, it lasted for eight nights. Another story that we find is that the Buddha sat down for eight nights. Well, to be really accurate, I have to correct myself and say it was Siddhartha Gautama who sat down and decided not to get up before having gotten to the bottom of this under a tree and later, with the awakening on the morning of the eighth day, Siddhartha became the Buddha, the awakened one. The tree became the tree of awakening, the Bodhi tree. The birth of Jesus in the middle of the night with a star shining brightly in the sky is just another expression of this archetypical human experience of bringing light into the darkness. Nature demonstrates to us the activity of Dharma the activity that consists out of two mutually opposing activities, expansion, contraction, or we could call it plus and minus, male and female, yin and yang, whatever name we want to give to it. This is how the activity of Dharma is recognized by our human mind, by our human point of view, looking at that fairly limited two-dimensional experience of the of the the experience of this opposition. 
And it is not only oppositional, it's also com complementary. As one thing expands, the other shrinks. If we think about shrinking, we could just semantically call that the expansion of less. So I hope you're getting the point that I'm trying to reach here. In the end, any teaching, such as the teaching of the Dharma activity, is just a crutch. It is words, it is semantics, it has to do with the way we human beings think. But what stands behind it, and what we can experience in our zazen, what we can experience in our daily lives, is that working of that activity. That works without having to be labeled. It works without any words necessary. There is no need to even think about, is this expansion? Is this contraction? But the need is to be completely with it. To not leave any distance. Distance means there is the bifurcation between subject and object. There is the separation between somebody watching and something being observed. The very point of that becoming one of subject and object is that that discursive mind falls away. The thinking of this and that, the attribution of labels, the attachment of categories, is completely absent. Breathing, inhalation and exhalation, again manifest another way for us to see the activity of the Dharma, but also to experience it. In fact, even our discursive mind, just by thinking we can understand that breathing is what has kept us alive so far. So it must be somehow related to some underlying principle or force that exists before cogitation before abstraction, before labeling, before analysis. Now, of course, our human mind will continue to think in the way that it thinks best, and that is to explain, to describe, to reason. And so it's quite prevalent nowadays that People look at this activity of breathing and say, well, this is the function of the brainstem that autonomously, through the physiology of it, 
do this and that chemical and electrochemical process, send signals, blah, 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 blah. It is quite interesting to see the explanation and to see how deep we were able to look into these processes, but with whatever physiological, biological, or scientific explanation we may come up there still is no way to know why or how this activity that makes all of this happen is how it appears, how it disappears, how it functions. So when we return in our zazen to the breathing, to the silence before words, you will also notice that that thirst of our discursive mind to know everything and to explain everything is quenched, but not quenched in the sense that it is satisfied by an explanation, satisfied by descriptions or labels. No, it just disappears. No more need to know. The actual experience of being alive that way completely transcends and breaks any limits that our two-dimensional mind has. Last week, about 40 people under the leadership of Shingiroshi spent eight days of intensive meditation and group practice at Daibosatsu Zendo, commemorating Siddhartha Gautama's time under the tree. Sleep is very short, and sleep becomes less and less necessary. by engaging in this activity of looking deeply into that root source, into what underlies all of this, we completely even forget what tiredness means. A few hours each night is fully sufficient. Would I recommend this to be a lifestyle? Absolutely not. Rohatsu session, Rohatsu Dai session, or sometimes also called Rohatsu O session, is something very special, as every session is, where we can devote ourselves fully to that process of not having to think, not having to label, not having distance between subject and object. When we meet here in the evening of a busy day, we have much less time, so it is even more precious to take the time to drop all the remainders of the day and let them just fall away, and to give ourselves to our breath, to our posture, to the walking, to the chanting, 
the drinking tea without the need to be anywhere else, physically, emotionally, cognitively. Take it as an opportunity to be fully here, in whatever state we may be. Let us be with it fully. The moment where any thinking of could have, should have, would have appears is just another bait of this fixated self, that idea of an identity that we often have. And when we follow it, we just follow that streak of that self and help it make it even stronger and more fixated with that what could have been, should have been, or would have been. All conditionals. Yes, absolutely. Every moment is a conditional arising of what is. But it is reality that arises and not a conditional alternative to it. So when you find yourself falling into that could have, should have, would have trap, the if, if only, all of these thoughts, take a deep breath and just let them go. On the morning of the eighth day, the Buddha saw the morning star and realized that he himself and all beings, as they are, are complete and perfect as they are. In this season of darkness, I hope that all of us take the time to consider this investigation that we are undertaking here. And whatever light we might find, that we don't keep it to ourselves. Let's share it. And let's be some kind of person that illuminates the lives of others.